Section 21. The Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Lines Commission. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Lines Commission by Candido Mariano da Silva Rondon. Translation by Richard George Reedy and Edwin Douglas Murray. Third Lecture, Part 8. I prefer to tell you a little, which will permit you to know more or less the misery and wildness of the Atakimi nation. In their territory, reduced to ruins, between the Masangana and the Candeas, there still existed at the time of my visit four villages. I went to those which were directed by the chiefs, or upos, to Tonha, Pioya, and Kuraki. The other, which I did not see, was governed by Upo Pinduro. Each one consisted of three large dwellings, and of one pudico, or ranch, destined to keep the articles of the religious cult of this nation. The houses are formed like the shell of the tattoo. One of its extremities, however, terminates in a kind of dome, which presents the only aperture of the whole construction. It is the entrance to the Arakimi hut, one meter seventy centimeters high and zero point six zero wide in this detail this hut appears like that of the urumis but differs from that of the nambiquaras and of the kepikiri uats who use two openings the framework of the houses is made with six posts standing at the extremities in two groups of equal number those of the same group are joined together by a cross-piece, which rests on two raising pieces placed at a height of two meters point fifty, and each pair of symmetrical posts of the two groups sustains the top of the building. On these tops are passed from one side to the other flexible rods which are curved and give the dome form to the construction. From the extremity of the roof to the ground there is a big arch, reinforced in the upper part, which serves to sustain the rods of the dome structure. The coconut palm leaves, with which they make the covering of the roof, are placed diagonally on the rods and fastened to them with great art, forming a completely united and closed surface. In the interior of the houses may be seen not only the sleeping hammocks, earthenware vases baskets calabashes and numerous other articles manufactured by the arakimis but also the graves of their dead who are buried exactly under the hammock which they occupied during their lifetime the earthenware pots have all of them the shape of the body of a cone some are large called buro one meter high and fifty centimeters wide at the mouth and others much smaller called ikoyo in each house there were always to be found one of the first kind and three of the second full of toto a fermented beverage made from corn or manioc there is also a long trough of four meters forty inches length with a width of twenty-eight centimeters cut out of a special sort of wood it serves to break up the corn and to mash up the manioc root, which is carried out with the assistance of a stone or granite grinder of an elliptical shape,
whose axis measures at the longest portion 0.40 and 0.22 at the shortest. I have already referred to the Pujiko or hut, especially consecrated to the religious cult of the Atakimis. I will now describe same. On entering one of these houses, one finds a hammock, Erembe, made out of cotton cloth, whose exceptional whiteness is immediately noticed and which is carefully and intentionally maintained. The hammock is stretched in the direction of the roof of the Pujiko, heaped with ornaments of feathers from the red arara, and trinkets of polished shells displayed in triangles of small circles. From the roof hangs down over it the skin of a spotted jaguar, stretched out with rods and full of feather ornaments. Still in the roof are to be seen calabashes for drinking toto, pieces of wood used for producing fire, wrapped round with cord, a dark polished stone in the shape of a trihedral sphere, a small axe, pute ejao, made of stone, and numerous polished shells. On the walls, bundles of old bows and arrows, which belonged to some veteran dweller of the village, and still more arrows with bamboo points, very much like those used by the Karapunas and the Parentintins, from whom probably they had been taken in warfare. The principal object in this place is the hammock. Nevertheless, on first examination, nothing more can be seen than two bundles, one a long one and the other shaped like a cap terminating in a point and so large that if placed on the head of any man it would descend over his face down to his chin both these are carefully rolled up in the wide inner bark of a certain tree which is known to the indians under the name of evotuera the long volume is simply placed at the back of the hammock the other however is sewn to the latter so as to keep the upper part of same on top of the two volumes so zealously guarded, one, the long one, encloses the bones of the body of an Atakime hero, and the round one contains his skull. On examining the Pujiko carefully, we will observe that there are preserved all the spoils of the hero. His hair, divided into two plates, hang down on the outside of each end of the hammock, and the teeth in the interior of a small basket, or chiropamoita is suspended from the roof over the same deathbed the use of a special house dedicated to religious practices is not peculiar only to the arakimis even in the wilds of northwest mato grosso there are two other tribes the parisis and the kepekiriuats who possess same but the special form of this cult so manifestly dedicated to the memory of a hero this yes i believe to be exclusively practised by this nation and i even think that in the whole of america there has not been registered any other case which such as this makes us remember the celebrated theory of ever meras individually considered the arachimes present varied and different grades of colour which run from the well-defined bronze as for example of the chief titunha up to the japanese yellow which we saw in the indian woman aranjo some of them were very dark or avayunas like the boy opunya and others are light in colour or avadijus like the chief kuraki their stomachs are very much developed aquiline noses with a depression in the upper part 
Their eyes are small and very black, sharp and oblique, as in the same Indian woman Aranjo, which are characteristically Japanese. A sclerotic yellow, eyebrows and eyelashes not abundant, the hair is very fine and silky, such as might denounce a remote European cross. Their hands are of an average size, badly shaped, long fingers, nails like those of the Nambiquaras, large feet with the big toe wide open and the other toes very thick with flat nails. The teeth are generally in good condition, although imperfectly disposed in their maxillaries, almost invariably one on top of the other, the lower maxillary long and exceeding the upper. Only the men pierce their ears in the earlobe and place therein small twigs or feathers. They do not pierce their lips or their noses. They paint their bodies with urukum and genipapo. They do not pull out their hair or cut their mustaches or the beard on their chins. Before they get into relations with civilized people, they wear their hair long and tied at the end with fiber. All the members, both male and female of this tribe, use garters made out of plaited cotton yarn, pio picaturo, above their ankles. They eat soft corn, manioc, monkey nuts, bananas, papayas, wild fruit, game, and fish. They are very intelligent, of a kindly disposition, and not warlike. They learn our language very easily and rapidly. This, in a few words, is the Atakimi tribe, the remains of which the Telegraph Commission succeeded in saving from general destruction to which it was condemned, owing to the influence of the bad elements to which I have already alluded. In order to attain our object, the commission gave them, near the last station on the Jamari, the lands which they required in order to establish their villages and plantations. There they are now settled, and live peacefully occupied in recovering from their past misfortunes, and preparing themselves to enjoy the advantages of our civilization, which they endeavor to understand and assimilate. One of the chiefs, wishing to hasten the advent of the era of the redemption of the Atakimi people, asked me to educate one of his sons according to our system. Acceding to this request, I brought his boy, Pariba Parakina Piuaka, with me. He will be included in the list of scholars at the professional institution of São José. Many people in this capital, in Cambuquira, and in other places know the boy Pariba, and when they hear him talking so easily and correctly in Portuguese, as if he had learnt same from his mother, when they see his gentle and polite manners, when they appreciate the vivacity of his intelligence and paused conversation, the sweetness of his frank and liberal nature, it will be difficult for them to believe that scarcely two years ago he lived in the backwoods of a virgin forest forming an integral part of a tribe of miserable Indians, unknown, persecuted, and massacred. Cases like this boy's are numerous and common, not only among the Atakimis, but also amongst other Indians of Brazil. Those who are acquainted with them know by experience that the dispositions both moral and mental of which they are doted present the most admirable facilities for the modifying action which, well-intentioned people may intend to exercise over them in the sense of inducing them to abandon their old habits and accept those common to us 
the essential thing is to merit and inspire confidence once this is obtained the road is prepared for their veneration which in them is intense and strong and which once awakened begins immediately to produce its known fruits for they are prone to imitate all they see and admire in the object of their veneration we however cannot be more lengthy in the appreciation of these facts the road is still long over which we have to pass in order to review all the corners of the wilderness opened up by the telegraph line commission let us therefore descend from the jamari to the madeira and having arrived at the latter let us continue to descend it the first mouth of importance which we strike is that of the gui parana also called Machado do Mar. We can say that we already know it, so often and so repeatedly have we been referring to it in the course of these lectures. We need not recall how it is represented in the geographical charts of Pimenta Bueno, Rio Branco, and Horace Williams. We have already seen that in all these maps, while profoundly divergent from one another, the only thing that is to be found is the position of the mouth and its name. Even this is subject to a restriction, because the last of the writers cited inscribes at the spot which should contain the double denomination Gui or Machado the word Pirayanara. I shall thus limit myself to giving a rapid description of its course, such as it is, and as it has become known, after being studied in its whole length by the Telegraph Lines Commission. At Campos do Commemoracio de Floriano, the admirable springs of three great hydrographical basins of the Guapore, the Madeira, and the Tavajos, laying at an altitude of an average of six hundred and thirty meters above sea level two rivers rise and as they were yet unknown at the time received from the members of the nineteen o nine expedition one the same name of the campos and the other that of pimenta bueno both run down almost together from the station of Vilhena and in the direction of northwest from a spot a little before the meridian seventeen degrees to that of eighteen degrees where at a point above the parallel twelve degrees they unite and thus form the upper Giparana the first one of a lesser volume of water and having its source lowered down is the more eastern the other more important than the former starts under the name of piroculuina which was given to it also in nineteen o nine and in its turn is the result of the junction of two branches respectively noted under the kepekiri uat names of dijaru juperara red river and dijaru uerebe brilliant river or shiny river after its formation the gui penetrates into the section of the meridians eighteen degrees and nineteen degrees west of rio de janeiro at first it continues to run in a northwesterly direction soon after however it directs its course due north and thus maintains it up to parallel ten degrees thence it descends one more degree bending towards the east reaching the latitude nine degrees but when about to pass this latitude it abandons abruptly the direction in which it had been flowing and again throws its course to the northwest 
it rapidly crosses the meridian nineteen degrees and reaches the madeira before attaining that of twenty degrees at a point close on to parallel eight degrees a noteworthy fact is that during such a long course the gui receives on its right bank only two affluents of any importance namely the rivers called san hoeo and taruma and it is also remarkable that beyond this singularity the bar of the first mentioned is exactly on the apex of the elbow formed by reason of the abrupt change of direction from north-northeast to northwest in contrast with this we have an abundance of affluence on the left bank in the gap comprised between the two main feeders the commemoracio de floriano and the pimenta bueno appears the barrio del melgaso already known to us after the junction of the two feeders we meet first the luis de albuquerque inhabited by the Uaturambo tribe and then the bar of the former san pedro or rolim de mura a river of still dark waters into which run two others the antonio hoayo and the anta aterada the more important of the two is the rolem de mura properly denominated de jaru uara by the kepekiri uats who also gave me the name of kepua as the designation of the tribe which lives there the San Pedro is followed by the former Muki, the trunk of the Lacerda y la Mieda, the Luis d'Alincor, the Akanga Peranga, and of the Ricardo Franco, which is the principal branch, below the mouth of which the Uacucap Indians are settled, according to the information of the said Kepekiriuats. Descending further, we meet the Urapa, the Igarape, the Boa Vista, the Jaru, with which we are acquainted, and others which have not yet been mentioned, namely the Anari, the Machadinho, the Juruacinho, and finally, on arriving at the Madeira, the Rio Preto. If we consider these indications in connection with those which we have already given in treating of the construction, we will see that the valley of the Guiparana may be estimated as one of the richest and most varied ethnographical centers of the whole world. There we meet the civilized man, handling such remarkable and perfect implements of the industries of our days as the telegraph and gas motors, beside the uncultured caboclo, the tame and half-civilized Indian, the aborigines scarcely initiated in the first steps of relationship with us, the wild Indian not yet reached, and even finally the almost extinct cannibal. One might say that chance had made it a point to assemble in that strip of land a multiplicity of aspects under which nature manifests herself a little everywhere in the soil we find gold and mercury diamonds and granite the majestic forests covered with precious essences are rich even as compared with the prodigious resources of the amazon forests but in certain places fall off to harsh and desolate jungles and in others opening up into level camps covered with beautiful grasses and this multiplicity of aspects is so great that we cannot think of detailing same even with regard to the population many nuclei remain to be mentioned 
We have said nothing, for example, of the Uromis, inhabitants of the valley of the Taruma, the river which the Gi collects on its right bank, halfway up its total course, and of the Parentintins, a warlike tribe whose pacification we are promoting with the promised success of a near victory, and whose villages are to be found in a portion of the natural camps which extend to the right in the direction of the river Roosevelt, cut by the Marmelos and the Manicore, direct affluence of the Madeira. End of section 21